0: Action radio begins in three, two, one.
1: Somehow God is in me and there's a sense in which I am like God and man all
2: at once. Many religions claim that we will all eventually be gods. The Bible said something so much better. It says, no, God will continue to be God. Man will continue to be man, but God will come upon man. No way. It's
0: time for Wretched Radio with Tom Friel.
2: Not gonna do it. Wouldn't be prudent. You guessed it. That was my impression of, well, of course, Dana Carvey. This is Wretched Radio 2015. A book was published with the title Judge Not with the Not Crossed Out. It was authored by one Todd Freeliestein, and he dedicated three chapters to the subject of discernment. What are the rules of the game? Is there a gift of discernment? I believe there is. Biblically, it is hearing something, immediately filtering it through the Bible to conclude whether it is right or wrong, true, false, good or bad, wise or foolish. Uh, that's, That's the biblical gift of discernment. And because the filter of the Bible is so crucial in discerning whether or not something is good or bad. You you gotta practice some principles. There, There must be some rules to the game of discernment. And there are a lot of people these days who say, oh, I got that gift. But then if you would ask them, oh cool, you've got that gift. So when you hear a story, a sermon, YouTube video, what's your filter? How does it go? Tell me about the process. Well, you know, I just, I just know that, you know, if somebody says something stupid. Well, that's not discernment. Discernment doesn't mean that you have this mystical gift of just hearing it in automatic. It is still cognitive, even if you're really fast at it. And I, and I recognize there are some people who are quick. They spot it. They see it. They smell it. They know it. They announce it before anybody else. And it turns out, lo and behold, they had enough smoke that they knew there was a fire and they were Right. Even so, it's still a cognitive process. You've got to put it through your brain, which is informed by the Bible. And I talked about in 2015, because it was a subject that we'd already been on for close to a decade anyway, but I codified some thinking on the subject in a book called Judge Not, that there are some evangelicals who are very slow, to judge anything. In fact, who, I'd rather have a rash than render some sort of a verdict on anybody about anything. And that's, that's bad. And, and I think there was a chapter dedicated on whether or not we should name names, when, how do we do that? And there was another chapter on what is probably the opposite side of the spectrum of evangelicals who never want to discern anything to those who want to discern everything. And, and to sometimes form circular firing squads that, where nobody is left standing, nobody. And we gotta, we gotta come up with some practical rules of discernment. How do you know when to speak? How do you know what you should say about this particular subject? I tried to put down those rules, and there were two in particular that are the reason that I'm not talking about the biggest story in evangelicalism today. Yet, maybe, possibly. Why? The hesitation. Because there are rules to discernment. And one of the rules, in fact, I think that I listed this as the first one, is this a subject— that everybody knows about. Now you can think in the broader evangelical community or you can bring it down to your church level. Is this common knowledge? Does everybody know about this? Or is it possible that I'll be sharing something that maybe causes more damage or more people to be hurt or more people to be confused? A number of years ago, Jimmy, do you have any idea who I'm I'm, I'm thinking of? There was an evangelical who said or did something wonky. And and we passed on the story because we knew about it because, well, we get a lot of resources that tell us what's going on out there. And and we just, we said, no, we're not going to do it because, well, we'll probably be sharing something about a genuine believer who's well within orthodoxy to tens and tens of people that didn't know about it. How will that benefit the body? How will that help anybody's heart? Because you can, if you jump the gun, almost be participating, even if it's true, kind of a cousin of gossip that I'm sharing. Oh, I didn't know about that. Well, now you do. I don't want to be the guy that plays that role. I'm not Fox News. I'm not, I'm not the cutting edge of everything. It's right out of the shoot. You may, wait. Hey! Hey! Heard about this. You gotta hear about I don't want to, I don't wanna be that guy. I don't think we're supposed to be that guy. Well, then in the aforementioned fellow whose name I can't remember, honestly, Time magazine picked it up. And when Time magazine picked it up, everybody else picked it up. And then suddenly it was common knowledge, and then I had a discernment box checked. It's widespread. I have permission, doesn't mean I've got the green light, but I do have permission to comment on it or talk about it with people because I'm not the one who's being the breaking news guy. But that's not the only box. There's a second box that is, that is the reason that at this moment, I'm not prepared to talk about this particular subject. The first is, I don't know how many people know about this particular issue. I don't know. What I do know is this guy is heard by millions. Millions. And and I don't know how many of those millions are aware of it. And I don't want to be the one that brings it to somebody's attention. Because it could cause damage. Even if, even if. I'm right about it, even if the, 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 the position that I stake is correct. I just want to be really slow that I am not the one who propagates the, 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 the bad news. But once that box gets checked, my second box is, do I got anything to say about this? Do I have anything that can contribute to the strength and the health of the body? Because if I can't bring that to the table, well, I'm not going to pull my chair up. Because if it's already being said, I don't need to parrot it. I, it, it I, I don't. I'm not profiting anybody with anything. So just because I could say something, and there's also there would be another box, a subset box, which would be, yeah, I have something unique to say. But would it help? Would it help? would it be something that is a blessing to the people who hear it and at the moment i personally don't have either of those boxes checked you might be wondering well don't you have an opinion on the subject of course i do i absolutely i do and if you've listened to this program for more than 2 minutes you know where i would stand on this particular subject but at this moment What I'm noodling, so I'm going to try to tell you what I'm noodling without telling you what I'm noodling because I don't want to be doing a little sleight of hand. Well, you said if you don't have anything, then you started talking about the. So what I'm most interested in is, is I'm going to start with my heart. I'm going to start there. And then I'm going to ask the question, are other believers struggling in this regard the way that I am in my heart? And can I then take the Bible and apply it so that starting with my heart is like Jesus' heart in all regards, in every regard, both meek and mild and very, very high on truth and morality and justice and righteousness. I I need to get my heart there. And then if I can figure out something that maybe possibly might help you with your heart as you work through this issue, assuming that you know about it, then I might say something. And the, you you might be thinking, well, you're kind of copping out on the deal. No, I'm, I'm not. Believe me, I've got an opinion. Jimmy, how many minutes did we just spend in the kitchen talking about this? <laughs> Probably an hour. Yeah. Okay. Because we're trying to work through it. Right. All right. Because... I don't want to be quick draw McGraw discerner. I, I I I want to play by the rules that I actually codified <laughs> eight years ago, nine years ago. I guess so, boy, math ain't a strength of mine. I'll tell you that much. I I want I, I, I want to I want to practice what I preached. And at this moment, I I I I don't I don't want to be a problem. I want to be a blessing. And it's not that I don't have an opinion on the subject. I certainly do. But I think there's a heart issue that we're all experiencing in this. This is maybe the first time a really super beloved and respected high-profile evangelical kind of went a little bit off script. And we're like, "Wow." (laughs) <laughs> but, yeah, you know, but I, hmm, I love the guy, respect the guy, but that I, hmm, mm, yeah, got that going on? Well, me too. And I'm not going to blah, blah, blah. And I'm not going oh, to... <laughs> and Try to get ourselves clicks and views. I, It's not worth the price. And so, if you are working through this issue because you know this issue i am i might share it what i'm thinking in the future i might not please don't label me a compromiser for that please i I'm, i'm i'm just trying to be biblical as we discern something hard this is wretched radio
1: Okay, so imagine that you're inside of a maze and every corner that you take, there's another wall, there's another obstacle, and you finally get to the point of frustration where you think you're never going to get out. But then imagine a different scenario. You're still inside that maze, but every corner you take is a guide who has a flashlight and is saying, nope. That's the right way to go. And in that scenario, we welcome you to Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford. And whether you've listened or not, you'll realize really quickly it's not your everyday radio show. Transform with Dr. Greg Gifford takes issues that many, if not all of us, struggle with, and it matches them up to hope and healing through the pages of the Bible. It is genuinely an entirely new perspective. New episodes drop every Saturday morning in your favorite podcast spot or at transformed.org slash podcast transformed with dr greg gifford i believe in a culture of life one of the most impactful moments of my life was when i heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh in my wife's womb and then
2: saw the sonograms be in the womb when you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat. Would you please consider supporting Preborn? It's a great ministry of life. It has a high anthropology, shares the gospel with women and with the dads. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Well, 2024 is a crucial election year. The sanctity of life is at the
1: forefront. And while we do celebrate the overturning of Roe, we cannot ignore the surge of pro-choice voices. They are persuasive, but we can and should be more convincing. We have to stand firm, not only in our beliefs, but also in the understanding of the gospel to change hearts and minds. Pro-choice advocates rally voters with misleading arguments, and as Christians it is our duty to counter these narratives with truth and compassion. Remember, this is not only about politics. It's about protecting the lives of the unborn. The debate has shifted to when instead of should and now it's time to refocus this conversation. Equip your family and your church with Life is Best, a 13-lesson series that's not just powerful but a call to action. Order your free digital download and streaming version from the Wretched Store right now. It's available for free during the month of January. You have until January 31st and we together can make a
0: difference important dates in Christian history 1735 the great awakening under Jonathan Edwards stirs the American colonies with many conversions and individual returns to heartfelt faith because of this awakening a number of divinity schools were founded including Princeton Dartmouth and Rutgers This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: Story time. This is Wretched Radio. Let's tell a story that will help us understand expertocracy. You say, what is an expertocracy? I'm not familiar with that term. We discovered it last week when a series of articles were published by one William M. Briggs. I don't know if he's coining the term, but he is using the term to help us understand how a society that had progressed, we had made advancements when it came to sexuality, morality, anthropology, the treatment of the weaker women, and children. We had made phenomenal strides, and now the message is you and I are antiquated, knuckle-dragging Neanderthals who don't know nothing about autonomy. We've got to let everybody do whatever it is that they want to do. Don't we read about that in the book of Judges, because there ain't nothing new under the sun. You are dumb. And we need to progress where there is sexual liberty and freedom, and anybody can do anything they want to with their body, as long as it's consensual. That's regression. That's going back. You want to study any ancient society? That's how they lived. And we recognized in Western civilization, there's a better way. And even people who were not professing Christians went, yeah, Yeah, it is better that we treat women that way. Yeah, you shouldn't be allowed to do that to children. No, you shouldn't be able to act like that because it's really bad for society. And even nature testifies that ain't the way you're supposed to be doing it. We are not progressing as the progressives tell us. We're regressing. And William Briggs tried to help us understand how it is that that we went off the rails. How did we descend so quickly? And the answer for him, and it's it's a partial answer, but it's helpful, expertocracy. That it is the experts who get to speak on these subjects. We used to understand in academia that there were fields, that there were emphases, and there were specialties. And philosophy was separate from science. Math was separate from religion, no more. The science department, because they are experts, They now speak on the subjects of human sexuality with authority, and you better receive it. You better accept it. Now, this particular article, part two, after he reminds us what expertocracy is, that they get to decide on philosophical metaphysical systems, which you have got to align yourself with, and it's done under the name of science. And he asks the question, why? Well, how, how, did, how did this happen? How did we let what can only be described as lunacy rule? A Very small minority have persuaded the majority that we need to let people do anything they want to do with their bodies, including children, and we are going to use medical professionals with sharp scalpels and a lot of drugs. To help them to pretend that they're the gender that they imagine that they are. How do they get away with it? We're the experts. And you read their gobbledygook language, and it just, it's, it's, we've come to accept it. Well, this is this is medical, this is healthcare. This is no, no, no. We have the science. Somebody's trapped in the wrong body. You're you're so far out of your field. And yet, because they're experts, they rule the day. That's how we've arrived at this position. And William Briggs, in his particular article, he, he really blames cowards. How is it that so many institutions have been overturned and moved from sanity to insanity? And in this particular article, uh, GLAAD, GLAAD, they compiled a list of all of the medical organizations uh, that affirm Gender-affirming care. There's another <laughs> scientific word salad that means nothing. On the list, the American Psychiatric Association, the American Society of Plastic Surgeons. Hmm, wonder if they have anything to gain from the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Medical Association, the World Health Organization. All of those institutions have been captured by regressives. And there's a ton more on this particular list. Uh, are we going to reclaim those institutions? Highly unlikely. Why? Because those institutions are a part of the Romans 1 formula, that there must be people who are experts, who are in authority, who have part, that affirm, yes, your sin is fine. You can go ahead and do that any way that you want to. And in this article William Bregg says it's it's simply because people have been cowards in their unwillingness to speak about it and I thought okay all right fair enough but that 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 maybe we haven't been as vocal as the church in talking about these issues now I'm not sure that that's an accurate statement because I haven't sat in every church service and bible study in every church in America for the last 20 years so I don't I don't know And I know that not every pastor feels compelled to talk about these things in a broader public context. Nevertheless, it got me to thinking, all right, am I I being a coward? Am I not being courageous? How do we speak up? Because speaking up isn't an either or, it's a both and. In order to speak up on these subjects, to rescue those who are being led to the slaughter, and that's what we're seeing with the trans movement, they're being led to the slaughter. How do I speak up about this with both courage and compassion? It ain't easy. It is not easy. So I compiled a, 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 a list of ways that maybe you and I can speak out on this issue without sounding unloving, because that is the trick. We're talking about something really wicked here. It's really awful. Uh, and, 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 and people are getting mutilated. Honestly, it it is as grotesque of, of, of a cultural crime as I think you'll ever see throughout history. But we're also called to be compassionate, be loving, and not just be angry, not just be mad, not just be frustrated by the how do you how do you find that zone that ain't easy so how's about this maybe this will help maybe that we speak up for the confused rather than such a condemnation of those people who are doing it and that 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 is needed because what these people are doing is evil but in order to show them their wickedness what if we did it by using actually the same tactic that they use that I think can actually be supported biblically, that we are about the business of doing justly, that, that, that we care about people. We don't want to see people harmed. So what if our critique were packaged in, hey, don't you love those people? That's their accusation, isn't it? Well, don't you want them to live their autonomous selves? The battle cry, and by the way, I have to tell you, um, John Stone Street, at Breakpoint, the Chuck Colson, the former Chuck, I don't know if it's still Chuck Colson's ministry or not, but it was started by Chuck Colson. He wrote a really, let's just say, pithy definition and an explanation that we are living in a world, we are seeing the culmination of autonomy. It's a subject we've been on for a long time here, that everything is about the self. And if you get in the way of self, you're evil and regressive. And toxic, and should be imprisoned. So How's about we turn that? Let me understand this. You, Mister Medical Professional, are you okay with using your skills to lop off people's genitals? You're you're okay with that? You don't you don't see that as you're willing to do that to those people? Maybe we could do that with teachers. Hey, you're a teacher in the schools. Cool. Tell me. Uh, what's your take on this subject? Wait a second. You want those precious children under your care to deceive their parents and not let them know that they're confused so you can send them to a clinic to inject them with foreign hormones and steroids and then potentially put them on. Are you telling me you're okay with that? Maybe we use their tactic because. We are supposed to be about the defense of the weak. And simultaneously, just so you know, I'm not saying that we don't point a finger and say evil, wicked. We do that because that's what the church does. But I'm also saying perhaps in conversations that we have with people that we meet, we go to some sort of non-alcoholic soiree and we're talking to people. Oh, you're a politician. Tell me, where do you stand on the mutilation of children? Where do you stand on butchering their bodies? You do? Wow, don't you love those people? Don't you care? You're a librarian. What books do you want in the... You do? You want little children to be exposed to that? Seriously? You you want sex ed to be taught to a four-year-old? Wow. Don't you love those children? Maybe, just maybe. That is a way for us to be both courageous and not sound obnoxious this is Wretched Radio
1: it's now time for a Wretched News break. Here on Wretched Radio, I am Jimmy Hicks. We lead off today with transgender madness. Is there really even another label you can put on transgender news? Anyway, an Australian bikini company sparked outrage because, well, they used a bearded male model to sell their women's swimwear. I don't know how much of it they actually sold, but they used an actual biological male in their ad campaign. The man was rocking skinny tops and bottoms to, quote, celebrate diversity and womanhood. Something tells me that there's not going to be very many actual women attracted to buying this swimwear. Call me crazy or old-fashioned. Either way, I just don't see them selling very many bikinis. And the Irony Award is going out to Harvard University because they appointed an anti-Semite to lead their Jewish Relations Committee. (laughs) That's real, you didn't hear me wrong. The new coach here overseeing campus religious tolerance previously ranted about hatred permeating Jewish civilization. And administrators defended the appointee as qualified to foster rich interfaith engagement. Yeah. Well, Harvard prefers virtue signals over moral consistency these days, don't they? And even basic common sense. And up in Progressive Canada we go now where a hotel has forced an American visitor to sign a waiver. You wanna know why? Well, apparently the American wanted his burger cooked medium instead of burnt. And they made him sign a waiver. Staff emphasized the health risks with any pink meat short of charcoal. They made the shock ban from Chicago officially release the resort from liability for undercooked ground beef. Keyword there, beef. Uh, I mean, I, this isn't chicken. I don't see any E. coli coming, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Stateside's positive news, a massive sea of pro-life supporters flooded Washington, D.C. last week for the annual March for Life. Estimates show over 50,000 young faces and old braving frigid temperatures to celebrate life from conception onward. Speakers urged persevering to change hearts and laws for the unborn despite pro-abortion demonizing them. Polls indicate momentum keeps shifting toward human rights over terminating innocent lives. And here's praying that continues to prove true as we head toward the election cycle. And finally, in California, new laws just took effect that force all retailers to remove separate boy and girl toy sections in stores. The recently signed LGBT legislation demands that department stores mix dolls, trucks, pretend makeup kits, and superhero costumes on shelves that are absent of labels that categorize items by gender. Critics blast the move as virtue signaling. Yep, that's exactly what it is. Just nonsense that erases biological reality. Though I suppose anything beats addressing real problems in California. Priorities. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks.
0: Books of the Bible. Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians to encourage new believers in their faith, reminding them of Christ's imminent return and exhorting them to godly conduct. When you consider Christ's return, beware of two errors, to live as though His return were not imminent, or to be so concerned with His return that we neglect His work on earth. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: Don't you worry. This time... Mean it. The history of how we arrived in a land where experts affirm gender mutilation care. This is Wretched Radio. There was an article written by one William Briggs describing expertocracy that we are letting experts pontificate on moral issues that are. Really, causing genuine physical, mental, and emotional, and spiritual damage on people, we've let the experts rule in fields they have no training in. Furthermore, they have no authority. i'm 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 just weary from reading about pontificators who tell us how we're supposed to believe about moral issues without citing any source of authority except, it settled science. Science affirms this is what actually is going on in the mind of somebody who is put in the wrong body. Why are we letting these people tell us what to do? And the answer is that we have accepted an expertocracy, and there is a history to this movement received in this is the, I think they send it out weekly, or monthly rather, over 7.4 million readers, zoinks, scoop. Uh, this is from Hillsdale College. Christopher Rufo. sorry if I got that wrong, sir, senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, uh, d- wrote about inside the transgender empire. And I thought, hmm, this is a bit of a history of expertocracy. Let's go into uh, what Mr. Rufo had to say. The transgender movement where did it come from how was it proved so successful the story goes deeper than you think late 1980s a group of academics they're the institutional professionals Uh, and by the way um good luck getting in if you have a contrary opinion they don't let you speak they don't let you talk they don't give you the credentials to offer a countering position on so many issues these days, whether it's life, whether it's the LGBTQ issue, global warming, uh, how's about world health issues? You've got a contrary opinion? We don't affirm you, you're out. You don't sing from the same song sheet. We're the experts here. Back in the 1980s, a group of academics established the disciplines of queer theory and transgender studies believing gender to be a social construct without any authority. this is CRT as their authority. That's how they came up with this conclusion. Used to oppress racial and sexual minorities, denouncing traditional categories of man and woman as a false binary that was conceived to support the system of heteronormativity. Well, that is normal. Look around. We wouldn't still be here if it weren't. So the white male heterosexual power structure has imposed their values on other people, and therefore that system needs to be overturned. It had to be deconstructed. And the best way to go about doing that was to promote transgenderism. They've got a playbook. If men can become women and women men, they believe the natural structure of creation could be toppled. But the question still remains, how did this move so fast? I think it's J-curve. This has been afoot for a long time. And Satan's modus operandi, because he doesn't know the future, he doesn't know what works, but he's a student and he studies society and he sees trends in global history and he tries to introduce them. And he's introduced, I'll bet he has introduced countless of nutty ideas. And occasionally one sticks. CRT stuck. Postmodernism stuck. And, that, and we've been on this course now for centuries, not just years or, well, maybe before the 2000 election. No, this, was, this has been going on for centuries. We're J-curving right now, where it picks up a, a, a head of steam that just propels it into the stratosphere. Back to the article, how did it move so quickly? Like many other things, it began with a flood of cash, wealthy people devoting enormous sums of money to promote transgenderism. One of those people is Jennifer Pritzker, who was born James Pritzker in 1950. After serving several years in the U.S. Army, this fellow went into business, having inherited a rather sizable part of the Hyatt Hotel fortune. Well, there's another place we can't stay and I guess. He inherited the fortune in 2013, he announced to a male to female gender transition and he was celebrated by the press who's also complicit in this movement as the first trans billionaire see if look if a billionaire can be trans see how normal it is if the ceo of united airlines and i wish we'd stop releasing those photos of him dressing in women's clothing it's normative don't you see silly christians he began donating untold millions to universities, schools, hospitals, activist organizations to promote queer theory and trans medical experiments. So it's got the institutional money behind it with academics who esteem themselves to be professionals. And by the way, we see this even on the local level in grade schools. Mom and dad, you're not the expert. We are. We're the one who determines your kids' education and morality and values. And if you Disagree with your kiddo, we're gonna get in the way of that. And we'll even report you to the authorities because the experts say that these children are trapped and you're just puritanical. Here's an example of the combination of well-funded activism and political influence works in practice. Pritzker, the aforementioned fellow, funded activists at Lori Children's Hospital biggest hospital in Chicago, L-U-R-I-E, to provide local schools with training materials and personnel who promote gender transitions for children, using the hospital's reputation to give their ideology a scientific veneer, read expertocracy. So on the local level with the kids in the schools, we've discussed this with the experts down the street at the hospital where they would like to mutilate children. They said it's good, so we're all for it. Trickle down. Lurie Children's Hospital, through its outreach presentations in Chicago's public school, encourages teachers and administrators to support gender diversity and affirm students who announce sexual transitions and, quote, communicate a non binary understanding of gender to the kids in their charge. Oh, all of these have been institutions have been working together. Yes, they have the results is a gender clinic pipeline they just funnel from the school to the hospital to the ongoing medication that's needed from the pharmaceutical companies let me take you now to highland park michigan a city of 9000 residents 6 miles north of detroit poverty violence crime for decades many of the homes and businesses abandoned demolished. It is on the edge of insolvency. Yet, it's home to one institution that is overflowing with funds, the Ruth Ellis Center, North Metro Detroit's central laboratory for the synthesis of transgender science and politics. Hmm. The Ellis Center and its partners conduct large-scale medical experiments on a population of predominantly poor black youths. I wonder if the progressives are aware of that i'm sure they're dismissive of it up to 80% of trans individuals suffer from serious psychopathologies one quarter of black trans youth attempt suicide each year this brings me back to courage and speaking up boldly simultaneously compassionately why do you want to do this to black children what what are your motives here what is this all about money why do you why do you feel like you can be in that community that is struggling and you know that they need help? Why are you using these people? Wouldn't those be courageous questions? Gender-affirming care fails to resolve confusion. But the doctors use failures to justify more extreme interventions, including um, reconstruction, body part reconstruction. It's the experts, well-funded, with institutions that have an awful lot to gain, who come up with Pseudo scientific jargon that they print on very thick paper with wonderful graphics to demonstrate. See, were the experts they disseminated to the schools, to academia, and all of a sudden, generations believe you can actually be a different gender. And I agree. I, I look, we don't want to speak. I saw, I saw a boxer, uh, no MMA fighter. There's a difference. The MMA fighter up in Canada. Um, it was. I, I got the point. It was like three minutes long. He berated a reporter, asking about transgenderism, basically saying, "You're the problem. You're you are the problem." And he went on to call him pejorative, you wimp, you see, all of that. Okay, we don't have permission to talk like that, but couldn't we speak up courageously and compassionately to defend those who are slaughtering to the to the slaughter? by maybe just asking some questions, even publicly, to the experts. This is Wretched Radio. So you're not convinced of the importance of training men to rightly divide the word of truth and fill pulpits internationally? Fine then we'll let Paul Washer convince you.
1: It is so important, not just important, it's absolutely essential to have a trained expositor of the scripture in every church. When we read through the book of Acts, we can see that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ advances as the word of God advances.
2: Would you please consider joining the Masters Academy International in filling empty pulpits with men who can exposit the scriptures and advance the kingdom of God It's a magnificent ministry with a generational impact. Please learn more about supporting TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor. Wretched.org slash pastor for the Master's Academy International.
1: Hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. Now, I want to speak to those of you who regularly purchase from Wretched.org. Here's something I do want you to take some time and think over. While we appreciate you and everyone who purchases from the Wretched store, what if you could go from being a loyal customer to someone on the inside, an exclusive member? Here's what I mean by that. Think about going to Starbucks. You go to Starbucks every single morning. You know the people there. They love you. They cherish you. They value you. But what if you went one day from being just a loyal customer to someone who knew the Secret menu. We want you in the inner circle to help us create content that reaches millions all over the world. There's no secret handshakes to this inner circle, just a heart for the gospel and a passion for sharing it. So if you would prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner, we would certainly appreciate it and welcome you into the club. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel.
2: I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in New eastern europe but also in africa and it's so efficient i was just with paul and cindy marty and i asked and it said in in american currency how much does it cost to have a kid come to a tomorrow club four times a month so every single week what what's the what does it take to make that happen ready a buck one dollar that's it the kid comes they get treats per month.
0: God has given the church many gifts for the building up of the body. One gift is teaching, the spiritual ability to explain and apply God's word. A teacher studies to gain knowledge of the Bible, is equipped with wisdom to understand it, and is gifted with the ability to explain it to others so they can grow in God's truth and apply it to their daily life. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: Could we at least be as courageous as John Daly? This is Wretched Radio. If you're a golfer, you know that name. He was a big hitter. He was a gun. And he was a bit of a a rogue for the golf circles. He smoked on the golf course. He was known as being a partier and a drinker. But wow, could he hit a ball Miles and he continues to tour, and he's clearly got excellent golf skills. But he's probably not going to be in the pantheon of the Tiger Woods and Jack Nicholases. He won some tournaments along the way. He certainly made a living, but he just came out and said, I could have made a lot more if I'd pretended to be a woman. Because the LGBT, LPGA Tour, does everything have to be initials these days? The LPGA Tour might be taking on a man who thinks he's a woman to tour because he just won some sort of tournament in Florida. And John Daly in response said, if I had pretended I was a woman, I would have won about a hundred tournaments. That's courageous. That's being bold. Now, how we deliver it, obviously, it can, there are times it can be strong, but we need to find that zone of John the Baptist and Jesus where they spoke fiercely and yet never gave the impression they were just disgusted at you because you're just such an idiot, loser, dummy. We're never like that. Yep, they would use language that rightly defined the character of the false teachers or of King Agrippa. No, Antipas. King. Agri- okay, Jimmy. Yes. The king that killed John the Baptist, mm-hmm. Antipas, right? Yes. Because I get the the Agrippa, because it was after Antipas, then it was Agrippa, one and two. It was Antipas who killed John the Baptist for doing what? What did John the Baptist say to him? Well, he said, you need to make Israel great again. Wait a second, I'm sorry. It's not what he said. He called out his sin. He said, you are, you are committing a grievous sin with your brother's wife? Whew. What wickedness is that? And for that, he got his head literally handed to King Antipas because he was accusing the king of sinning. That, by the way, is the role of the Christian. That is our message. And when John the Baptist delivered it, he did it in a way we don't have a recording of it. But I suppose we could get AI to make one of those That he said it in a way where the king could have been perturbed, could have been convicted, but would have never heard malice. That's hard, isn't it? Because we're so stirred on these issues. We need to be courageous. We need to be compassionate. And my encouragement is that we keep pointing to the victims of these crimes and that we start questioning in a genuine way. Seriously, you you affirm that? You think that kids should go under the knife to have their body mutilated? Real? Wow. I, I, I certainly don't understand that. And then what do we do? I think you're sinning against those people. You're sinning. Now, you can talk about policies to protect kids if you want to. That's, that's fair game. But what I'm saying, the Christian message isn't about policies. It's about repentance. It's about turning from sins. And we need to get a little bolder at that, don't we? Well, simultaneously, not getting squishy, because we have a tendency, I think, to think, that's right, I think, to think that if I'm soft or loving, even as I'm then I'm compromising. Well, that is a possibility that you get too soft. That is true. We got to find that zone. What's going on in our world, really? There was an article in the Atlantic: "Is pornography immoral?" <laughs> and then here's what the article said. The author said, "I want to solicit your viewpoints. So this is just a collection of people on the internet sharing what their thoughts are. Any authority? Do they have any more weight to their position on pornography? No." They got nothing but opinion. Nevertheless, I want to solicit your viewpoints on pornography itself, specifically legal porn, giving the near consensus that child pornography, which is illegal, is also immoral. Stop! Where do you get that position? How, do you, how did you come up with that conclusion? Why kid porn, but not adult porn? Why, why do, why is What makes a different age? Explain to me how age makes that. Somehow moral. How does it cross a? Oh, that's immoral. But that isn't. And most would argue. Well, it's they're too young. It's not consensual. Well, hold on. First of all, you believe that they're young enough to have their bodies mutilated. Second of all, the issue is not whether there is consent or not, because they would actually somebody even argue. Well, they can give consent. <sighs> Do you even speak of these things? Just unbelievable that we even have to talk about these things. Mrs. Freel and I were discussing this in the car, I think, just this morning, that we're having to talk about stuff that in polite society would have been like, whoa, 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 whoa. Thanks, world. Thanks, progressives. They have no standard. It is is a moving goalpost all the time, and we need to tag them about it. Is porn a good, bad, or neutral act? How's it, how about consuming it? What about porn that features AI-generated images of fake humans? The church needs to be loud on this subject. And I think that we can frame it in a way that doesn't cause the world to go, no, oh, they're just mad. I think we turn it. We turn it. Hold on. Don't you know that porn hurts women and men? Don't you know that porn contributes to sex trafficking? Don't you know that these people get diseases and die from this? Don't you know that porn has destroyed countless marriages and left a lot of children without a daddy? You want, you think it's good? Tell me how do you, how do you possibly arrive at that conclusion? I'll tell you how I arrive at mine. Thus saith the Lord, God says, foreboding. And I think we know that intuitively, don't we? You know, that said, why don't you just open up your laptop in the middle of the airport and just start watching it for all to see? Because you know, you know that it's a dirty thing. We we somehow as individuals have to figure out how we can help people who are getting totally brutalized by this horrible worldview. (laughs) This is great. Time. This is, this is Time Magazine, time.com. Why I love my open marriage. <laughs> really, tell me. Here it is. By the way, here's autonomy. This, if you've ever, the whole CRT business, that autonomy that you've got to be able to, you can't be oppressed by anyone in any regard. It's a part of postmodernism. They walk hand in hand. This, this expresses it. So here's the woman. With the conclusion to the matter of why she loves her open marriage. Listen for the autonomy. The wilderness I had wandered into was different than what I expected. So she was married, got into an open marriage, an agreement where they were going to go see other people. And well, it got hard because I started to love those guys too, and schedules and complications. It was a wilderness, far from being a frightening place. An inhospitable wasteland filled with danger, threats to my marriage, to my family, my security. Um, Yes, yes, and yes. I now see the landscape of my adventures in non-monogamy as a place of great beauty. Splendid in its lack of societal constructs. There it is. Me. I do not conform to the world. The world conforms to me. A place that is purely my own. I carry this wilderness and a solid sense of home, my own true north within me. There it is. That's the worldview. Every man does that which is right in their own eyes. There's plenty of space for both. And if I remember this, I'll never be lost. Well, how do you know what lost is? They don't. Thus saith the Lord. That's who says, one man, one woman, exclusive, till death do you part. Oh. What do you think marriage is? Do you think that's good for kids that mommy and daddy are and boyfriends and girlfriends throughout the home? Do you think that's good for children? Do you think that's good for culture? Really? Don't you love people's kids? AI girlfriend earns 30000 a month from lonely men. Received 20 marriage proposals. Even though this thing isn't real. It's Lexi love. Lexi love. What do you know? Blonde hair, blue eyes. And as seductive as you can imagine. She sends text messages, voice messages, and even photos on request. This shouldn't surprise us uh, because the kids are so baked into social media. That is their reality. So they do have a girlfriend in their minds. And we need to be asking the question, don't we care about these people? That, That we want them to think that they've got a girlfriend that doesn't even exist? That they actually say, will you marry me? We need to be courageous Christians. We need to be bolder. We, we perhaps need to not talk in hushed tones when we're in public places. Obnoxious, absolutely not. Compassionate and courageous simultaneously. If ever there were a call for that, I gotta tell you, is now. And until tomorrow, go serve your King.